You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson. We call it the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast because I only have nine fingers. One got chopped off. And uh, if you want to know the whole story on that, you can go back to one of the previous episodes. Uh, It's called The Finger Story, and I tell exactly how it went down. Um, And tonight is one of those nights where you're definitely going to hear my kids in the background uh, of at least the intro and the outro, uh, but probably in the uh, main part of the podcast as well. But hopefully everybody had a great weekend. My son turned four. Oh my God, how time flies. It's blowing my mind. I got... You know, I feel like I was just telling people that I had a newborn, and now I have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and almost a two-year-old. And just like my my grandpa, when I was growing up, would always say, "You're growing up too fast. You got to put a rock on your head, slow you down." And uh, I feel like time is absolutely flying by these days. Uh, every time I take a look at my daughter. Uh, she's changing like just getting older and both my kids are you know my son he was chunky when my oldest son he was chunky kind of when he was growing up and now he's starting to thin out and all that stuff and it's just it's nuts watching it so uh, spend some time with your kids while you can I'm starting to understand that because here pretty soon they're going to be young men and young women and uh, uh, the days of being able to wrestle with them and uh, you know pretend with them and play little kid games are going to be over and they're going to want the iPad more and more and I don't know man I'm just it's crazy anyway I'll I'll go off on a rabbit hole with that today we have an absolutely awesome podcast and I say it's awesome because after hearing Jordan Risky tell a story uh, today I am I, I keep thinking about 2019 
right? I'm going on an elk hunt this year. I'm going on a mule deer hunt this year and I'm, you know, coming back to Iowa to whitetail hunt. So I'm going to have a pretty busy fall. And last year, Jordan had a pretty busy fall where he was able to harvest an elk, a mule deer and a beautiful whitetail um, all with a bow. And it's one of those things where it's just like, I hope that that happens to me this year. And, um, you know, through scouting and hard work, hopefully that pays off. But uh, Jordan shares kind of a little bit of, about where he's from uh, and where he hunts right off the bat. And then we get into those stories, and uh, there's some really cool stories, man. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it. I know I enjoy listening to guys and gals who um, are able to find some really good success in uh, throughout their, their seasons. Now, today's podcast, right? We got to have a commercial and we're going to be talking about prime bows today. And I absolutely love, 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 love the company, the brand, and of course their bows, right? So last year I shot the Logic. This year I'm shooting the Logic CT3, right? So it's a longer axle to axle and it's a little bit shorter of a brace height, but um, I, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I haven't shot it yet. I just got the bow a couple weeks ago. It's been sitting on my couch. I've been crazy busy. I need to get uh, a sight on it. I need to get a rest on it. Um, I got some arrows coming this year, so uh, I just need to straight up take some time to set it up. But if it's anything like the logic from last year, uh, it's money. It's butter. And uh, I love the draw cycle. I love that it's dead in the hand. And um, it's just an overall kick-ass bow, right? And I got it. And you can you can choose from a variety of different colors uh, just to top it off, right? The, the colors don't mean shit at the end of the day. It's the functionality, the engineering, and the innovation that goes into these bows that make them what they are. But if they can look badass, that's just the cherry on top. So uh, just go to primearchery.com. Check out all the different bows that they have. Then you need to go to a local dealer and shoot one. And I'm telling you, you're going to be happy with it. So uh, go do that. Now, I've talked too much on the intro. Let's get into today's Hunter Profile BS Session Hunter Success Story podcast with Jordan Risky. Jordan Risky, how the hell are you? I'm good, bud. Thanks for thanks for having me on. I, I appreciate your time and taking time out of your day to to talk to to a guy like me. <laughs> well, a guy like you, it. a guy like you, had one hell of a 2018 season, and uh, we're going to get into that today. You sent you know you send me a uh, a message via Instagram, and you know it's like, hey man, if you're looking for someone, uh, I'd love to chat with you. And then you show, you sh- you show me three pictures, right? A mule deer, a whitetail, and an elk and uh, all awesome specimens of the species. So it looks like you did have an absolute uh, great year, and we're going to get into all that uh, because I love talking with you know the, the average Joes, so to speak, who are able to get out and get it done, especially on what look like multiple out-of-state trips. Yep, for sure, yeah. All right. So I, uh, yeah, I was blessed, I had a very blessed 2018 season, my best yet. Good. Good deal. All right, so we're going to kick this podcast off like we do almost all of them. And why don't you just tell us 
where do you live and what do you do for a living? Yeah. So, uh, born and raised in the great state of Michigan. Um, I live on the West side of the state now. Um, got married out of, out of college, right out of college and moved and lived in downtown Chicago for a year or two. Uh, my wife's work. <laughs> yeah. Right. I was, I, I say I was like a, a polar bear in, in a sandy desert there. So it just fell out of place. Um, but we went there. My wife had a great opportunity for her work. And then uh, she ended up getting transferred up to Wisconsin like two years later. We spent a stint in the Madison area for two years and then recently just made our transition back to to Michigan. So, um yeah, it's it's been a journey with work-wise. I currently work for a sports fundraising company, so I bounce around and talk to to high school coaches and give them a, an opportunity to raise money or raise funds pretty easily. With and we're not selling any products or anything like that, so uh, that's that's what I I currently do now, and I'm in like the sales role, so I get to create my schedule to a certain extent. So it gives me a little opportunity to get in the woods kind of when I want to, but also got to grind it out in the seasons to make things happen. Got to, yeah. got to keep employed. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you this, go into a little bit more detail about your job because sports fundraisers, what's that, what's that mean? Yeah. So I worked for a company based out of Seattle. So like high school sports, um, sports teams, they have, they have to, they have to raise money for, for their programs. So if like baseball programs, for instance, Michigan, our spring sports season just started. A lot of teams are raising funds to, for their spring break trips to go down to Florida for spring training and practice in a little bit warmer weather. So our platform is an online based platform. So we build a website specific for, um, these sports teams and, then the, we go and talk to the actual team. Kids provide 20 emails of their biggest fans. And then we take those emails and traffic them to this website that we build for them for simple donations. They don't have to sell any products. It's like a 20, 30 minute meeting. And we help take care of, take care of the programs. We give coaches time to coach because that's what they're hired to do. We don't have kids out knocking on doors, selling anything. One, because it's no longer safe to do. It's sad, but it's not um and it's easy and we don't we don't solicit or sell any emails once the the fundraiser's over done taken care of um we're not reaching out to these people um yeah it's a lot of people say so gofundme well not a gofundme we track everything it's the gofundme on mega steroids is what it is gotcha cool that's awesome that you're helping uh you know youth sports yeah, and that's that's kind of like everyone, all all my colleagues. That's that's our our goal is we're we're here to help. I mean, that's that's what we're doing. We're tr- we're trying to help programs. Cool, man. That's awesome. So, yeah. And in the spare time, you get to hunt. In the spare time, I, I get I get to hunt. Every now and then, I get to sneak out to the woods or sneak out of state. That's usually my goal is to get out of this state and try to hunt somewhere else. But right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> doesn't always happen. All right, so let me let me ask so, you this. I want to. I want to go all the way back to the as far back as you can remember and uh, talk a little bit about what is your very first ever hunting related memory. 
Oh gosh. First, well, my dad used to take me out in a backpack. Um, and then my closest brother really kind of stuck with hunting and have a passion for it now. But, uh, my, Ooh, my earliest like memory that's like vivid is my first bow hunt. And it was, <laughs> it's pretty awesome. I, Got a new bow for Christmas and practice all year. So in Michigan, you can start hunting at the age of 12 uh, with a bow. At that time, we didn't have an apprenticeship. Now we do, and you can hunt younger. But growing up, 12 years old was the age that you could get out with uh, archery equipment. And I went out with my dad that following year, and we had a, a really nice doe come in. I drew back, shot, and the shot looked, I mean, absolutely perfect. We're like high-fiving and my dad's like, man, it looks like a pass through. And I was like, man, I can see the arrow. So we ended up waiting like 20, 30 minutes. He got down, looked at my arrow and half of my broadhead had blood on it. My arrow bounced off. Oh. I was pulling such little weight. I, I'm Dan, I'm built like a, a baby carrot and stick four toothpicks in it. That's what I look <laughs> like. I am tiny. <laughs> I'm super tall and skinny. I'm, I'm a pipe cleaner. So I, I, at that time I was a, a lot smaller than I am even now. And, um, that was probably my, my earliest, earliest memory. And then, you know, off into to high school, ended up harvesting my first deer with, with a shotgun. And then I want to say I was 16, maybe when I, when I har- harvested my first buck with a bow. So nice. it was, uh, it's a good experience. We grew, we have a family farm, mainly cropland, um, very little timber, so a lot of field edge hunting growing up and, that was you know, in Michigan. trying to learn from there. Yep. Michigan. Yep. Gotcha. gotcha. Yep. So. Cool. So, you know, for a lot of guys and myself included, I started hunting at somewhat of an early age, right? 12 or 13 years old or whatever. And then sports came and I lost interest in hunting and did the high, you know, the sports thing, the high school thing. Uh, and then, um, really got it back into hunting while I was in uh, late into college and then after college. So did, did you kind of go that same route or did you, were you always in, you know, head deep in hunting? Uh, I was, I was always really passionate about hunting, but there was a time through, through high school where were sports. And then I ended up marrying my middle school sweetheart, but I had, I had other girlfriends in between and then we ended up together. But um, there was, a stint where I, I ended up going off and I played uh, golf in college and um, just, I was, I'm very competitive. And then once college ended, that's when I really dove deep because I still wanted that competitive side of me and was looking for something. And, yeah. and whitetail were one of the hardest things that I've ever had a, an opportunity to pursue. So that's kind of what, what, you know, drove me and still drives me today is is chasing those things around the woods yeah and you know i was talking to another guy who uh really was into golf too uh, recently on one of the latest podcasts uh, that nine fingers put out and i tell you of all the sports to compare to bow hunting it's almost like golf is the closest to bow hunting than any other sport there is. And the reason I say that is because you are against yourself more than your actual opponent, if that makes sense. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, I, I played, I played basketball 
and I, I was, uh, I played baseball, I ran track, but golf there, it's a mental game. And I mean, you know, there are the highest of highs and then there are the lowest of lows. Like golf, you could hit a beautiful shot and go to the green and three pot. And it's like the highest of highs. And you're just like, what in the heck just happened? Yeah. Same thing happens in the woods. So yeah, I, I would agree with that for sure. That's a, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. All right, so so then college and and how old are you now? Uh, I'll be thirty one in June. Okay, so thirty one now, um, and so you've been hunting, you know, almost your entire life. And now, are you almost like solely a bow hunter, or do you still pick up the gun every once in a while? Uh, I'll gun hunt maybe three four days out of the year. Gotcha. I'm I'm diehard bow hunter. I mean, uh, we. I gun hunt like here and there. Uh, this year, I went out a couple more times. We were after a buck here in Michigan. One of my buddies gave me the opportunity to come over and hunt uh, a buck that was actually wounded. And um, I, I hunted the most I've hunted probably in the last 10 years this year with a gun. But usually it's like two or three times. And it's it's just a, 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 like a camaraderie thing, like get out with friends and family, and that's what they're doing. But the majority of the time, it's we're we're bohine gotcha all right so um and then as you know things started to progress did you become do you you have a moment in your life that just was kind of a like a brick to the face type of moment where you're like dude i love this and i'm just gonna you know i'm gonna keep doing it and i'm gonna go harder and harder to become like where you're at today, you know, a guy who's taking multiple out of state trips, a guy who's dedicating a lot of his spare time into hunting, or is it one of those gradual type things where it just continued to ramp up the older that you got? Um, I, I think it's a little mixture. So I, I harvested my first buck with a bow as a non-typical 10 here in the state of Michigan. And I was hooked. Like I knew I'm like, I'm going to be doing this forever, mm-hmm. but the the like tipping point was my first ever hunt in southern illinois and i climbed up in a stand it was i got out there way early um and the very first deer i saw was a 140 plus inch whitetail and it was at 60 yards and it come in front of me it was just way way too early and he he walked in front of me and then from then on it was just like okay I'm, I have like a sickness, like that's, I, there, there's not two minutes in a day that doesn't go by where I'm not thinking about just a big mature white tail. <laughs> it's it, disgusting. It, it's, it really is disgusting. It is. Like, you know, um, they, I think there's some statistic out there that's like guys think about sex like, uh, once every two <laughs> minutes or something like that. But I'm going to tell you yeah. right now that I think I think that I think about hunting or fishing or the outdoors in some way, shape or form more than sex now at my age, which is crazy. <laughs> Hands down. I'm 30. I don't have any kids yet. I feel like I'm in my prime and I think about deer way more than anything else. Right. My wife's up there, but, but no deer, or not just deer. I'm, I love elk hunting, but yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. That's, it, it is. It's a. It's a problem. I'm. I'm often told, like, man, you need to just 
back off and settle down. I'm like, I can't. I can't. I'm not wired that way. I can't. Like, no, <laughs> I can't for sure. That's awesome. But yeah, no, I, I'm, I, I really do. Some days I think like, man, I need to dial it back. And then the next day I'm like, what are you doing now? You need to just keep going. This, keep this going. is what you love to do. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. So as time went on and, you know, you started falling in love with this bow hunting sport, when did you start saying, I got to, you know, it's because it sounds like that, that trip to Southern Illinois kind of sealed the deal for you, even though, I mean, I mean, or it just enhanced it that much more, but was it that trip that said, Hey, I got to test the waters out of, out of Michigan more, which led you to like going out West more, or has, is that just more of a recent thing? Um, no, it was, so I worked in, and helped at a, a taxidermy studio, uh, here in Michigan for a while and just seeing like all the different species of game coming in, kind of installed something like in me, like there, there's more out there than what, what there is right here in Michigan. And I've always, ever since then, like, and, and I did like a, like an internship there during college. So we had to, um, for credit, we had to go out and do an in, internship and, you know, I was pretty addicted to whitetail and I'm like, you know, what's better than going to work at a taxidermy studio for, for a little while. So did that and started just seeing everything coming in from out of state and the mule deer that people were bringing in and elk and bear and things like that. I mean, we have bear and elk here in Michigan, but, um, elk here is like a once in a lifetime tag. So, um, just the opportunity. And if you do your research, I mean, you know, that there there's opportunity everywhere. You just got to dig in and, you know, you got to have priorities and what you want to do and you got to make sacrifices is the biggest thing. And my wife and I have learned that over the past few years, we love bow hunting, but we're going to sacrifice time with, you know, family and, and friends in order to save up money and do what we love to do. So, and then that's when that kind of pushed us over getting out West awesome so, that's awesome so what was your first western hunt uh my first western hunt was uh elk in montana we yeah my wife and i have been going out to montana the last five years now this past year was our fifth year okay so, so why elk as your first western uh western hunt and like why montana so I've, I, I actually, a guy that pushed me, um, his name's Laddie. He was our, our neighbor where I grew up and he pushed me to, you know, hunt more mature deer. And he was kind of that big influence of, you know, you've killed a few younger deer here in the state of Michigan. Now start setting your sights higher. And he was, he's been out to Montana several times and always talked about how he would, if you ever had the opportunity to move out there, he would be gone. And um, I guess that was like my, my thing is like, man, he loved it out there. I just want to go out there and see it. It wasn't so much the, uh, the elk hunting. It was more of just getting out there and just seeing what kind of country it is. And, um, then the, the fact that everyone talks about elk hunting and, and how it's so brutal and you leave an elk hunting trip and you're like, I'm never going to do this again. And you get halfway home and you're like, when are we going to book our next trip to go back? <laughs> That's a fact. And, and I just wanted to experience it. So our, 
first two years, um, I went with, and my wife goes with me, um, our first two years we went out there, we, uh, we had a friend out there that kind of knew a little bit of this, this public area and we got out there and it burnt that year. So he's like, you know, I, we already had our tags and he's like, we can, we can go try out this other area. And we talked to multiple people before we went and they were like, guys, just don't get discouraged. If one, you don't see an elk and two, if, if you don't have any opportunities, just enjoy being out there. So, you know, first timers, I, I was carrying a frame pack every day with way too much stuff every day and just packing in and out. And then we were actually going back to town and staying with, with our friends. And, uh, our, our first, first day pouring down rain, we hiked in about, oh, it was probably two, three hour hike in and we set up the rain stops hit the cow call and we had a bull come running in at like 40 yards and my wife didn't end up taking a shot. She wanted it a little closer and then we ended up not getting anything that year, but it was after that first like fifth hour we were there. I'm like, this is so easy. Like that, all these people are crazy. This, this is easy to call these things in. And then obviously it was, didn't shoot anything that year, year two, we went back and did the same exact thing and got close to, some really big bulls and just kind of started figuring out the area um and then year three we my wife was getting on the point where it's like man that's it's a lot of work and one we, we've been working both of us had decent jobs and we we got to the point where we could afford to kind of look at the outfitter option and um she ended up having a friend that through work that knew a friend that had an outfitting business and they didn't really do a whole lot of archery hunts. And we, we're, we're big archery hunters and that's what we, we weren't going to go out there and rifle hunt. That's just not what we wanted to do. And, uh, they kind of got us hooked up with, um, called big sky guiding outfitters. And we, um, started going with hunting with them. Our first year we went out there and we never, we didn't see an elk until the last day in the last two hours. We saw, we saw a good bull Yeah. and we're there for five days. And I was, we were both kind of frustrated, but at the same time, I mean, coming from Michigan, you got, we knew like that's hunting. You may go and one year hit it perfect. And it might be, you know, a Jurassic park and bulls bugling everywhere. And every, I mean, it, it could be unbelievable. So we were like, you know what, we're going to go again. It, it was just a, a nice accommodation type thing. I mean, we were in a cabin. And then the next year we went and we were in, we, we were getting on elk every day. And I ended up harvesting a cow on our last day. And it was like a blizzard. And we got her all quartered out, hung up in the tree. And we were coming back the next day to pack it out. And we were hiking down the mountain. And we had a, a good bowl come in. And meanwhile, I mean, it, it is like a blizzard. And my wife, I was like, you need to draw your bow. And she drew her bow and boom, everything, strings, everything came off. Her, I mean, it just literally blew up because there was so much ice built up on her cams and everything. And we ended up just 
packing out shoes broke down into tears and it, it, it was pretty bad but we had like a half mile hike down this mountain and it was just bull after bull after bull we were running into and oh i tagged God. out already and and she could there's no way i mean she's five foot five and just there's no way she could draw my bow back and yeah, yeah it was it was it was a good trip and then yeah then this last year we were very fortunate to to get back out there again um we ended up they ended up losing permission where they had these cabins so it was an experience my wife we we were in tents the entire time um so it I don't, I don't want to paint a picture like we're in this big luxurious log cabins. And I mean, it, it was rough. It was, it was still very rough and, but fun. Yeah. And, um, day three or day two, my wife harvested a little four by four, a little raghorn bowl. After she got the bow fixed. Yep. So this is year three. This is our fifth year. This is last year. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Yep. So, she day three she ended up harvesting uh, a nice i think it's a four by four but archery bowl i mean it's that's an accomplishment in and of itself oh yeah and um super excited got it quartered out and then i don't know if you want me to jump into my my elk hunt yet but yeah I mean, we'll just hold off on uh 2018 for a second i mean so you and okay. your, you and your wife are kind of like hunting buddies right that you're you guys are going as a as a, a team everywhere right Yep, everywhere except for the whitetail woods. We we're off on our own. We don't hunt together. <laughs> okay, so that's strange. You're taking western trips together, but in the whitetail wor- world, you're going to different locations and doing your own thing. Oh yeah, she's she's very competent. She can she can hang her own stands, do everything on her own. Um, just out west, it's it's just such big country right. that we would like I wouldn't feel comfortable sending her off on her own. Right. So. But I'm talking um, about—is this like completely different properties when you're when you're whitetail hunting? Like you're dropping her off so on a it, 200 here, or and then you're going down the ways yep. to a different farm. Oh yeah, yep. That's cool. Yep. That's in Illinois. In Illinois, we're we're never. I mean, there are times that we'll we'll be on the same same chunk of ground, but I would say 95 percent of the time we're we're way we're yeah we're miles and miles apart from each other. Well, I tell you what, it's pretty cool. That right there is awesome because I feel that the hunting, I don't even want to, I don't even know what to say, whether it's the industry or whether it's the hunting community, it almost is, they almost bring women into the light of they're a sidekick and it's like my wife she doesn't want to know really how to hunt deer. I mean, she, she wants to be that woman who is kind of a sidekick. Like I do most of the work, all that stuff. But I feel that what the hunting industry and the needs is less of that and more of the women who can, you know, you drop them off at the, you know, at the parking lot and they're going in with a stand on their back and doing it just like we do it. Right. To showcase that. Yeah it's, it's, it's not that hard to do. No, it's, it's, it really isn't. And that's, and, and I, I love it because I mean, my wife, she, she's a, she's beautiful, 
And sometimes it comes across as like, oh, you know, and, and that's the furthest thing from it. I mean, she'll go into a stand and she'll text me. She's like, hey, wind's not right. I'm moving over to this spot. And I'm like, you do you. I mean, <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, I would, I would put her up against a lot of guy hunters and she's going to produce. She does. She's, she's a good, she's just a good hunter, plain and simple. Yeah. That's it's, awesome. It's fun. It's a, it's a lot of fun. That's cool. Especially when you can have a, like for me, it's difficult at times to have a, a in-depth conversation with my wife about, you know, talking deer hunting strategy and stuff. The more that I do talk with her about it, the more she understand and gets it. And it was funny the other day we we're talking about a deer and I showed her a picture and, um, she's like, Oh, that looks like a, you know, is that a three-year-old? And I'm like, Yes, it is a three-year-old. That's awesome that, you know, she's, you know, she's starting to understand and wanting to know more, but I feel like, especially with you having a conversation with your wife about detailed strategy, like you would with a good buddy just makes your guys' relationship that much, I guess, more exciting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. There, trust me, there's times where we're both just like, we need you need to do your thing and I'm going to go do my thing. And sometimes, I mean, mine is I'm all hunting. Like that's, that's what I do. Um, and she goes and does her things with girlfriends and things like that. But yeah, I, it's been a, it's been a blast. I'm on another, another level. Sometimes she has to cool me down a little bit, but she, she loves it and she knows what she's doing. And that's, 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 you know, a lot of the fun of it is watching her succeed and, I know like you, like I heard you talking about taking your wife out and turkey hunting and it it was awesome probably watching her harvest the turkey and you didn't care that you didn't. Yeah. And that's the same with me sometimes like a whitetail hunting. I'm like, man, if she kills one and I doubt, I'm, I'll be just as excited. It's pretty fun. Right. So, so that's, that's where that's awesome because for me, like, Turkey hunting is all secondary for me, man. Like I don't like. Hundred percent. Yeah, if I don't kill a, if I don't kill a bird, I don't kill a bird, and I don't take turkey hunting near as serious as I do. Right? I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna give it my all. I'm gonna try to kill a turkey. But at the end of the day, I'm gonna go home and go to bed real easy. As opposed to whitetail hunting, if some buck out there is giving me the skirt and I can't figure out what he's doing, I'm gonna lose sleep over that. Right. I'm going to be thinking, I'm going to be staring at a map. I'm, you know, all this stuff. I take whitetail hunting way more serious. So for you, like, it's awesome that your wife can go out and take care of herself in the woods because during the rut, you can still work, you can still do you and take care of yourself and not need to, you know, not necessarily need to cater as much to her. Right. Cause you can still go out and for say, Hey, sure. I got a buck. I got a buck pinned. I'm going to go after him. Right. And she's like, yeah, go get him. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yep. And most of the time, if I don't, there's been times where you don't share that information with her because she's always got priorities. See, Dan, like if I were to tell her, I got a box (laughs) in, she's like, where is that? (laughs) Is your wife going to listen to this podcast, man? You might be digging a hole. I know. No, she, she probably will listen to it, but you know, she, she knows, she knows the game. So I I heard someone, I don't know what podcast it was, but she says hunting's a self or, I can't, it might've been Spencer. He said, hunting's a selfish man's game. It's the truth. But well, more, more and more my wife gets into it. 
Yeah, bow hunting specifically, yeah. But more and more I get into it, my wife's getting getting into it, it's like, yeah, it's kind of unselfish now. I mean, back in high school and college, I was very selfish about it. But now it's, I want, I just want to enjoy hunting with people, one, and just seeing other people succeed is, it's so fun. It's awesome. I love it. Yeah, that's cool, man. So. Well, I'm, I'm happy that, uh, you know, you're able to share that. I don't know. The, the selfish side of me and hunting, it's it's kind of weird because I love going out and I, I love fishing with my family. I love, you know, putting the worms on the hook for my kids. I love to go out turkey hunting with my wife, right? I don't care if I kill a bird. But for some reason, I'm not there quite yet. And maybe, it, maybe I'll get there with deer hunting. But like for me right now, it's all about me. Like that, like bow hunting is me. That's what I get to do. I don't do shit throughout the rest of the year. I don't go to bars and drink. I'm not involved in fantasy football. I don't go to sporting events and tailgate with my buddies. Like I don't do anything else except bow hunting. Right. That is my, that is me. That's I'm on the same boat. Like, (laughs) like I said, I played college golf and since I graduated college, I'll play maybe three times a year. And, It's because I'm like, yeah, done with that game. I'm, I'm, I'm onto something more challenging now. Right. So that's no, cool. I, I get it. But all right. So, um, and then was this past year your first mule deer hunt? Yep, first time ever. Well, oh god, I we hate always. You. Yeah. So there's a little bit of an asterisk there. So we used to always get our combo tag when we went to Montana. So the combo tag. Um, gives us the opportunity to hunt mule deer and elk. And the, the mule deer was always secondary. Um, it's, it, it's just like that, a tag for opportunity, nothing. I mean, we, we weren't out there to, to shoot mule deer. We were there to, to shoot elk. But this past year was my first ever mule deer specific hunt that I went on, okay. for sure. So, uh, so let's talk about that. Well, I tell you what. Well, that's a perfect transition because I take I saw the picture of the mule deer is in velvet, so I'm guessing that was the first hunt of your 2018, right? Yep. Yeah. Right. I mean, other than turkey hunting and like same with you, like uh, it's secondary. I could care less if I ever harvest <laughs> turkey ever again. It's yeah. just here's how my here's, here's how my turkey stories go when somebody talks to me. Uh, yeah. So I went turkey hunting um, and. Uh, I got, I called and it gobbled and then it came in and I shot it or, uh, I went turkey hunting, I called and it didn't come in and I didn't get a beard or a, a a turkey. Like then that's it. Like that's, that's my turkey hunting stories. Now with whitetail or elk, it's just like, the wind was blowing out of the Northwest and it was 42 degrees and, and you know, the sun was just barely, you know, like all that, all that crap, you know? Oh, for sure. For sure. So yeah, this, uh, this was, uh, our, our first, first meal deer hunt. And then we picked Nebraska. Um, I had one of my best friends growing up for like the past five years. Um, we've always talked about going out and, and chasing meal deer in velvet. And we started doing a little like research and he was like, man, when I, when I have the time and you know, the money and everything, I, I want to go 
go with you. And I was like, all right, well, let's start playing. And this was years ago. And we picked Nebraska, um, like the Sand Hills area. And we, we started planning and actually had a buddy, um, that, that went there before. And we just asked it, like, we're looking for places to stay. Um, we were going to do the whole tent thing. Um, and then he's like, Hey, this is a place to stay. Didn't really tell us much other than that. Like we, we kind of wanted to figure it out on our own. Um, so he's like this, this cabin. So that's what we picked. And, you know, years later we ended up going last year and there was a total of six of us. So six guys, uh, just a, a good bros trip. Um, got out there, uh, day before the opener and, um, just started doing some scouting. We wanted to, to find a couple of areas and, uh, spread out. We went out in groups of two and broke off and I drove like an hour and a half to an area. Another guy drove another hour and we're just kind of all over the place. And we ended up coming back cause we were going to eat dinner, um, all together that night. And we got back and we we're sitting on this like little, like a settler's cabin almost. And we're sitting out on the like deck per se. And we're, we're, we're like just chit chatting, drinking beer. And we look up on a ridge and like five bucks just crest this ridge. Oh, no and we're like, huh? Yeah. We're like, what's over there? So first like two days, we were going out to these other spots that we went and scouted on day one, not even considering going to this other spot that we, we just saw, saw these deer. I don't know what we were thinking. Um, but then two of, uh, two of our, the guy or three of the guys that, um, went with us, went to one area and I took two other guys off to this other area. Cause I've, I've been to Montana and I've done the whole Western thing. So my first like two, three days, I was just showing some guys like, this is how you approach something in like the wide open, like try to sneak up on things like this way. And we ended up, um, one of the guys that went and checked out that property where we saw these bucks, he ended up killing a deer, um, the next day and packed it out. And we spent the rest of our trip hunting this one specific area. I mean, it was, it's probably, I don't know, probably five, 6,000 acres of, of property. So was this plenty uh, that's the same. Was this public ground or did you have like knock on door permission or did you, was this an outfitter? What was the deal there? Nope. Pure public land. Okay. All public. We, we didn't knock on any, I mean, there was no doors to knock on. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was that like, that's there was nobody around. So, yeah. um, yeah, we, just went out there and we were like, you know, we could do it. And a couple of us are, all of us are pretty good hunters. I would, I mean, we're decent. I I don't want to say we're good. We're decent hunters. (laughs) And, uh, went out there and just, you know, made it work. And we, I think we just found kind of like that little honey hole and three out of the six of us harvested a, a buck and every one of us, shot or released an arrow on a mule deer that would have scored over 140 inches wow that's awesome yeah so it it was fun you found the honey hole found the honey hole we did it was it was 
to, to kind of explain the area, think of like a, a big ridge, almost like a mountain, and then a bunch of runoff because they had a ton of rain last year. Yep. And it kind of made these like drainages. And in these drainages are a bunch of uh, like cedars or pines. And that's all that was in these like little fingers. So when you look at like an aerial map of a mountain, you know how you always yep. see those fingers of like spruce or whatever it is coming. I don't know what kind of trees. I'm not a tree expert, but you know what I'm talking about. Right. right. Um, and that's where we thought all these, all these deer would be, would be in. And we got up on this ridge and we're kind of glassing down in there and come to find out they were not in there. They were all out in the sage flats and that's where we were finding them. Okay. And it, it, it seemed like every bush we looked at, there was a mule deer laying next to it. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun. And we were just talking about the other, the other day. It's like we, you could go on a hunt and never have that same experience ever again. Right. But they were just packed in there by circumstance. By circumstance, we there was there there was a couple private uh, sections like close, and those private sections were like giant alfalfa fields, uh, and that's why they were on. Yep, that's why they were on the the, the public side. They're bedding in those sage flats, and then we we're just catching them in transition out to these these big ag fields. So it was it was pretty. It was an epic hunt. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So break break down like how did you get you know all these all these deer coming through? How did you get? You know, I guess did you draw straws to see who went after the big guy? Nope. So how it worked is we had an agreement. Um, we we'd actually almost all start out on this ridge together, and whoever spotted the deer could go after it. If Got you it. spotted it, you went after it. If you didn't, if you spotted it, and you're like not anything I'm interested in. Yeah. Anyone else had dibs on it. They could go after it. And we had, Oh gosh, there was probably that we saw. There's probably eight bucks that we, we specifically were seeing like almost regularly, like almost every day or every other day we were seeing these, these bucks. And one was a three by three, I mean, a six, I mean, literally a six pointer, (laughs) Michigan guy, right? Six point. And he was probably 140 inch six point. Oh boy. This thing is, it was incredible. And I actually saw a guy, another hunter, I watched him harvest this deer and I went up to him and congratulated him. And I got to see the deer firsthand and it it was something special. It was, it was pretty cool. Gigantic. Um, gigantic I'll, I'll i'll have to send you a picture of him but it, it was pretty special it, and i was super happy for the guy um he did a great hunt and he, he killed a heck of a deer but um so yeah then we were our trip was winding down and on the last day we were packing up uh, we all got up pretty late uh, in the morning and one of my buddies was starting to put on his hunting stuff and i'm like man you're going He's like, yeah, I'm going to make, give it one more shot. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll go with you. I don't want to go in by yourself. And it was just <laughs> the two of us. We were, we were like, we're going to go together and got up then literally crest this ridge that, that I'm, I was talking about and glassing. And instantly I saw a buck drop down into one of these drainages. I was like, big one. I said, I'm going. And I mean, when you see them, they're two, three miles away. Yeah. So it's like, all right, I'm going. Took off and um 
ended up like walking and got to a, a point and I, I knew that he was batted. So there's, so a thing of like a, a wall and on that wall, there's two like points coming out yeah. and there was these two points and I knew he was on one of them. So I, I belly crawl and then I'm on my knees and I crawl up and I come to full draw and I'm going to shoot this deer at literally two steps. Like I'm on top of him and I was going to shoot him. And I get full draw and I peek up over the edge and he's not there. And I catch a flicker out of the corner of my eye and I turn and he's on this other peak, that the, the point to my right. And I like swing over. I thought I settled my pin and I shot and it like, I shoot a two blade fixed single bevel broadhead and you know, like on a deer, they have like that flap, that armpit like skin yeah. That, you know what I'm talking about? It cut through that and nothing else. Like my arrow had zero blood on it, Ugh. nothing on my fletchings, nothing. So my, my buddy was up on the ridge. He was watching this and he comes down and I was like, I, I, I don't think I hit him. And then we walked up and we found like a tiny drip of blood. I'm like, Oh no, found another tiny drip of blood. So then we ended up tracking it and we bump them and they go out and they're eating in one of these ag fields. Cause he was with three other or two other bucks. So he's eating out in this big ag field. I'm like, well, let's just keep walking and make sure like he's not pouring blood or anything like that. And this whole time we're walking, it's like a, it's like a desert. It's just completely flat and we can see this deer and we're just walking and we're not seeing any blood. I was like, well, let's just go. We kind of know the area where, where he crossed and jumped the fence. So we walk down and we get to the fence and there's no blood. So I was like, well, you know, time to pack up. We're supposed to leave at 1030 and it's 1030 and we have a three hour walk back in. Yeah. So he's like, all right. So we like spread out and I'm not kidding you. It was five minutes and I peek around a corner and the buck I ended up killing was standing with, with a doe just feeding on like some browse. I don't even know what he was eating. And, um, ended up shooting him at 60 yards and double lunged him and he ran oh probably a hundred yards and, and and died but we didn't see see him fall so we got on the blood trail and i'm i'm not joking you dan when i say go to a walmart parking lot put a deer in the middle of the parking lot and try to find it that's what it what it was like i mean this deer was so in the wide open and we walked by him, I'm not kidding you, by five times. <laughs> we could, could not find him. It Just because like your blood, eyes blood, weren't blood. trained. Yes. I mean, you probably saw, you could tell in that picture, like, it was just flat desert. Yeah. And there, there's nothing around. And my buddy Matt and I are just walking, and we're like, man, there's so much blood. And Matt saw the deer run, and he said, you, it's perfect. Your arrow was placed perfect. And we walked and walked and walked and could not, I mean, we're looking for a good 35 minutes and we were walking and blood would stop. I'm like, why in the world did it stop? And finally my buddy's uh, probably 200 yards ahead of me and I'm standing where the blood stops and I look to my left and I'm like five yards and he's laying next to me. And I just start hooting an hour and I was so excited. And <laughs> he, was, uh, he was the biggest deer that we saw the entire week. And he scored right at like 170 inches. That's awesome. In velvet. 
in Valdez. So yep. this was, uh, was this an early September hunt or a late August hunt? Uh, early September. Gotcha. Yeah, cool. their season opens like the first. Out in western Nebraska. So, western Nebraska, nice. yep. Awesome. It was awesome. it was pretty cool. We ran into a lot of other hunters and talked to a lot of guys. We ran into a big group of guys from Wisconsin. Um, it was fun. We just got chatting with different people, guys hunting speed goats and just working together and pointing guys, all these guys that are hunting these goats, pointing them in the right direction. Like, hey, we saw a huge group over here. And they're, they're like, you know, we're not hunting mule deer because they were like local guys. They're like, we those are easy. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and they're pointing us in the right direction. And it, it was cool. It was, a, it was a good community of hunters out there. So we, we had a blast. That's awesome. So after that, then you went uh, back to Montana for your archery elk hunt? Yep. So came home and worked for a week. And so I, I get two weeks vacation, came home worked for a week and then my wife and I took off. That's kind of our anniversary trip is we, we go out out West every year. Yeah. And, um, that's my wife harvested her elk on day two and, um, day three, we went in and just so our, our whole mission for day three was just packing her elk out. She shot at eight miles from camp. Holy shit. yeah, it was, it was a long pack. Um, and so we pack her elk out on, that'd be day three, day four, we go in and we got on some bulls and, or no, she shot at day three, day four, we packed out. So our last day we go in, um, and we're, we're on bulls from the moment we leave camp. It was, it was pretty awesome. So the unit we were in, you can't shoot, it has to have brows, so you can't shoot spikes. Yeah. And we're after like any legal bull. That was our goal. We've, I've never killed a bull with a bow. Um, so any, any legal bull and, uh, we're, we're going in and it was like the first two that we called in were spikes. So it was cool just interacting and watching them. Um, then we sit down and we're having lunch and, um, the guy, our guide, Russ, He's, he's a, it's so awesome. He's a, he's a cattle farmer from Minnesota. So, and he just goes out there on like for two weeks and, and just guides archery elk hunts. And we're sitting there just eating and we're talking, we're, you know, on the mountainside and he looks at me and he goes, shoot this mother effing bull. And I'm like, what? And he's like, shoot the effing bull. And I'm like, yeah, right. And, he, and I turn and look and there's a, a beautiful six by six standing behind us. And I'm like, oh my gosh! And Just I'm like, into your lap. Yeah. Oh, and I got a sandwich in my hand, and we're like <laughs> bags of chips eating, and ended up not being able to get the bull, obviously, because we're we're fiddle farting around with food, and um, so I'm, I went from the highest to highs to lowest to lows because I get to see this beautiful bull, and then I don't have an opportunity at it because I dropped the ball by not being ready, and. So we back up and this is like 20 yards from where my wife killed her bull two days earlier is where this big bull came in. And we're like, all right, well, let's go a little further, a little deeper. So we go and I spot three bulls bedded on this hillside and we sneak up around them. We get above this, this like bachelor group. Um, 
it was weird that they were all grouped up, but they had probably four or five cows with them as well. But there was also, I think we had five bulls bedded with these cows and they were all not fighting, nothing, just hanging out together. It was strange. And I couldn't get a shot. It was way too thick where we were. I'm like belly crawling and my wife's right there with me. And so finally we're like, all right, well, let's hit. We're watching these bulls kind of down below us. And we hit the, hit a cow call and use mouth reads. So I'm ready. And I'm watching, hoping that they, they come working up the mountain and we hear cracking and we turn around and here's two five point bulls staring at us at 30 yards behind us. And they have us pegged, like couldn't move. So we're just sitting there watching them. I can't move, get turned around to draw on them. So finally, like one moves me on a tree and I'm like, I got to make, got to make a move. And I turn and both of them busted off. So again, highest of highs, lowest of lows. This is all in the same day. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like almost to the point where I'm in tears. I'm a very emotional hunter. Like I get so excited and so like driven and I, I just dive into this and I'm very passionate about it. And so finally I'm like laying there and I'm like, what? I can't do anything wrong. Just questioning everything that I'm doing, even though I'm giving myself multiple opportunities, it's just not happening. Yeah. So we start walking and Russ, our, our guide was like, well, we're not coming back out here tomorrow. It's way too far. He's like, we need to go. Let's go deeper. Cause we had one day left. He's like, we need to go deeper and then try to locate a bowl closer on our way back. And I'm to me, I'm like, this is, this is crazy. So I ended up going a little bit deeper and we set up on a ridge and we start calling and we have a bull closer to camp and one further from camp. And he's like, let's go the further one. Cause I'm not coming out here tomorrow. I'm like, I, I agree. But at the same time, like if we shoot this bull, this is so far. So we set up, start calling and this bull's getting closer and closer and closer. And finally my wife looks at me, she goes, we need to get closer. And I'm like, I agree. So we jump and we take off just on a dead run, just kind of side hilling. And, you know, side hilling is very hard to do. It is rough on your legs, ankles, everything. Yep. So we get to a spot and we're there no longer, probably 40 seconds. And this bull breaks out of the timber and he's screaming, just screaming. And it works up this ridge and just keeps coming up this hill. And my wife's filming all of this and I'm like, all right, you got him. And she's like, yep. And he does a little trot and he's running straight at me and gets to about 40 yards with the angle. And he was, he was quartering, he was hard quartering too. And I love that shot. Cause I, I, I feel like you're, especially with my setup, I was shooting like a 570 grain arrow, something, I mean, really heavy. Yeah. And I'm shooting a 200 grain broadhead and I, I hit him and he went 70 yards and tipped over. And he was uh, a beautiful uh, seven by seven bull, probably something I'll never, never, you know, it's like those kids that go out and shoot a 200 inch deer in their first deer. It's like, where do you go from there? <laughs> that's that's kind of how I felt. I'm like, well, time to quit elk hunting now. Cause I don't think I'll ever top this. I tell you but what, though, it, it that's was, a that's a beautiful animal. Uh, absolutely. I mean, and then after after you shot this elk, you got him packed out. 
right? You're you're driving. Did you fly or drive out there? So we flew. Flew. We flew okay. out there. So you're on you're yep. on the plane the plane ride back to Michigan, and at this point, what are you thinking about? Like, what's going through your head when you're you're looking back on your season thus far? Your whitetail season hasn't even started yet. And you're like, I just shot an absolutely gorgeous mule deer. I just shot an absolutely gorgeous, you know, elk bull. What, you know, what's going through your head at that point? I, I was grinning ear, ear to ear, but what was going through my head was I, I need to, I, I need to kill a big buck in Michigan. <laughs> that was, <laughs> you weren't satisfied. That was honestly, <laughs> I, I wasn't, I, I was sad at like, extremely blessed I, I i was i was humbled beyond belief to, to harvest two animals like that in such a short time frame but my nemesis has been a, a a big buck in michigan i just i haven't been able to do it um i've struggled at it and it's something that just eats eats me alive i don't and i i have access to some really good ground here and it produces big deer every every year and i just haven't been fortunate enough to be one of the guys that that harvests one <laughs> yeah so, so is that a piece of but no, private was, ground yep so my wife and i just acquired we just purchased our uh, the first land that we've ever bought um that i've like solely owned i guess you could say with my wife we just bought 116 acres and uh year one we just we were very aggressive hunting it just because we didn't know any like deer movement, any patterns, anything like that. It's, it's a giant swamp is what it is. And we were aggressive hunting it. And I have, there's two deer on there that are going to be pretty special this year. Um, but I have access, my bro, two of my brothers and a buddy bought, um, uh, like 60 acres back in the town that I grew up in and it's all river bottom and it produces some really big deer. And that butts up to one of my best friends property, their family farm. And that's roughly like five or 600 acres that I I'm fortunate enough that he lets me come out there and hunt with him and chasing a, a really big nine point this year. I mean, really big for Michigan. He's probably 140, 145 inch nine point. And I was out with a, a, uh, 450 Bushmaster cause they just allowed uh straight cartridge rounds here in Michigan. And I had two primer light strikes at 40 yards on that deer. It was just like, it's not meant to be, <laughs> wow. not meant to be, can't kill a big buck in Michigan. So that's kind of like the short story of my Michigan deer season anyway. Yeah. But, but, but you were able to, you were able to harvest that gorgeous buck right that gorgeous buck was i that's from illinois oh illinois so, okay i got gotcha. you so yep, you go it. to you go to michigan you didn't get the job done there but sounds like you've been going to illinois for quite a while is that a is that like a, a lease piece that you have or is that like family friends family friends so we uh so his, his name's Mike and he's kind of been like a, another father figure to me and just kind of a, a big mentor in how to hunt big deer. This guy's killed some, some giants in Illinois. And, uh, he has given us my, my wife and I access to come down there and hunt and stay at his, his cabin down there. And so every weekend 
Uh, that's why I was talking about sacrifices. During the deer season, we're driving six hours every weekend. We leave Friday evening after work, drive down there. We hunt Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday mornings, and then we drive home. That's every weekend during the hunting season. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're a little bit crazy like that, but it's, I, I love it. I would, I would never give anything enough. Yeah, right? I would never give that opportunity up to go down there and hunt hunt whitetails so so on this yeah buck, man on this uh, buck that you har- that you ended up harvesting out of uh, illinois is this a a buck that you've had any past history with or is it uh um or just something that kind of popped out of nowhere yeah so i I've, I've actually been hunting the same deer this this year it'll be like five years i've been hunting the same deer and not the one I ended up killing, but another one. And I was kind of getting burnt out. So I wanted to just try something, a new, new area, new farm down there. We, we have a, a, a pretty sizable chunk and it's broken up. So it's like 80 acres here, 60 acres here, 40 acres here. It's, it's just kind of broken up all over. And, um, it, there's a lot of river bottom. So the area that I, I harvested this deer when they get a lot of rain down there, the river comes up and it floods a, a big portion of this property. And there's a lot of like CRP grass and we do go down there and, we, and plant some food plots. So when that river comes up, it pushes all these deer out of this low ground because it's flooded. It's four or five foot of water. And they come up and they bet on these hillsides. And then you got this CRP grass that they bet in. And then they transition out into big, winter wheat fields and things like that late in the season. I'm, if I had to pick any time of year to hunt, I would certain the rot, everyone else can have the rot. I want to hunt that late December into to January. Uh, Illinois, you can hunt till like mid January. Yeah. Um, and I would much rather deer are a slave to food that time of year. Yeah. And if you, if you see a mature buck come into a food plot one evening, you better be in there the next night because he's coming back, yeah. especially late season. And everything just kind of fell into place. We had two really good bucks show up on camera. Actually, the one that I ended up killing um, about a mile from where I where I shot him two days earlier. So we put my wife in a in a in a, in a little hay bale blind where these two bucks were showing up and trying to get her a, a nice buck. And I went to another stand that no one's been hunting and it set up on a food plot. I was on the east end of this food plot and we had a storm blow through and a, a storm. I mean, it was still kind of raining when we got in the stand and we probably had a 15 to 20 mile an hour wind straight out of the west. So I'm looking down this food plot and the wind's blowing in my face. And I'm sitting there and I see like four does bedded on a, on a hillside and, um, the first deer to come in the food plot was this buck that I ended up harvesting and he came up and started feeding in the food plot. And I'm texting my wife. I'm like, Hey, big shooter buck just stepped in the food plot. I don't think I'm getting a shot at him. Cause at this time he's probably 110 yards away from me and 40 minutes go by and eight other bucks come into the food plot, young deer, probably all two and a half year olds. And he, what I, I mean, I, I think he just got annoyed by these other bucks being in the food plot and he started working his way to the east end of the food plot because there was no deer down by me. 
and I watched him and he just kept kept working his way and finally got to 28 yards and he I had like two little limbs in front of me and he, he reaches back and licks himself and takes two steps and I shot and hit him I hit him high I didn't hit spine but it went through one shoulder blade and it went came out the other shoulder blade and almost pinned him and he dropped right there and expired in probably 10 seconds. Wow. It was, it was over like that. It was incredible. But, um, so yeah, it, it sounds was, like, it sounds like the, uh, you know, aside from your Michigan, uh, seat part of your season, you, you were grinding for your mule deer, you grinded for your elk and then you go to Illinois and it's just, Oh, I'm sitting in a tree stand and here comes a, here comes a shooter buck and I'm going to shoot him. Yep. <laughs> it was, it was, it was a little, I mean, I shot my mule deer on the last day and I shot my elk on the second to last day. And we've been going down to Illinois. Like we still hunt October. We'll go down there every weekend pretty much. And then we'll take off. We don't go down there during the gun seasons. Um, but we try to get down there as much as possible. And then it was, uh, it was December 30th or 31st, something like that, that I, that I ended up harvesting him. So the last, the last day of the year, nice. I ended up harvesting that buck. Nice. So it was all three were, all three were a grind okay. uh, to say the least, but yeah, it was, it was, it was a, a, a season to remember. I don't think I'll ever top it. Yeah. I, I hope I do, Dan, but I, I don't know <laughs> that that'll happen. Well, you're 31 years old, uh, dude. How, you got any, you don't have any I'm, kids, right? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. So but, no kids. You're 31, so you're young yet. Uh, and I take it that, uh, you know, 2018 was one hell of a year. Does that just fire you up that much more for 2019? 2019 is... Uh, I, yeah, you could say that I'm fired up, but I'm, it's weird. The most thing I, I, I'm fired up most about is hunting Michigan as crazy as that sounds. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going back to Nebraska again this year and I'm going back to Montana again this year. Awesome. Uh, I, I'm just addicted to it and, but yeah, I got those two trips, but I'm, I'm most pumped about trying to kill a good deer in, in my home state and it's, it's tough everyone knows Michigan. everyone talks about Michigan and in Pennsylvania and New York and you know there's a few others but it it is it's a it's an extremely hard state to hunt but the worst thing the worst thing about Michigan is it probably has more potential than most other states we have the cover we have the crops we have the water and it's it's strange there's a lot of things i mean we all have our opinions right we right. all want change for for different reasons but it, it's just sad seeing the potential that that's here that we're we're just not meeting that potential yeah yeah well so. that's an uphill battle right there and a completely different podcast in itself but uh congrats man on uh one hell of a 2018 season and good luck uh you know to this upcoming season I appreciate it, Dan. I appreciate you having me on, man. I, I, I love talking about this. So any anytime, brother. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. We just crushed that podcast. 
Huge shout out to Jordan, man. Thanks for taking time out of your day to hop on the podcast and uh, chit chat with us. Huge shout out to all of you for taking time to listen. Huge shout out to all of the partners of this podcast. Hunter Safety Systems, Lone Wolf, Wasp, Ripcord, Ozonics, and Prime. Uh, Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast first and foremost, man. If you want this content coming in and you want it coming in continually, you can go to the Sportsman's Nation. Search Sportsman's Nation on iTunes. Search Nine Finger Chronicles on iTunes iTunes and either subscribe to the standalone feed, which is just the Nine Finger Chronicles, or what I would recommend is if you love listening to outdoor themed podcasts, uh, get a get a subscription, I guess you could say, to the Whitetail or the uh, Big Game feeds as well, or all of them. Uh, just subscribe to all of them, and uh, you'll get all this awesome content coming directly to your phone or mobile device. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have yet to follow us on on social media, Instagram, or Facebook, please do so. Nine Finger Chronicles or Sportsman's Nation. And uh, I'm cutting it short. Our friends at Hunter Safety Systems are reminding us that if you're going to be in a tree, please wear your damn safety harness. Have a good week.